Hi, welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. And I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Jenna Armitage. And Jenna is IDOC's new managed care consultant. And just a little bit on Jenna, she brings six years of management experience to IDOC across multiple independent practices. And she also holds an MBA in healthcare management. And so far, and I expect that will continue to be the case. She's been an invaluable resource uh, to many of our members. So, so glad to have you here, Jenna. Welcome. Hello. So Jenna, as we talked before, I, I invited you on to get your insights on an issue that many ODs are struggling with. Uh, you and I work together on, on some of these cases, credentialing and, and maybe more specifically being denied access to insurance panels, which can be a competitive disadvantage to any practice. Uh, but I think we are maybe hearing it a little bit more from the cold starts or the ODs who have relocated that that really need those patients from the vision plans. We've sort of got two different uh, camps here. Some people that are trying to drop vision plans and other ones that want to be on vision plans, but they're not able to, uh, to accomplish that. So uh, if we just Bring it back to the beginning for a second on, on the credentialing component uh, to help people who maybe haven't had much experience in that area. Can you just sort of help us define what is credentialing? Yeah, of course. Um, credentialing is basically an umbrella term for both payer enrollment and primary source verification processes. Um, I've recently watched a webinar done by Heidi Henderson. She's the VP of First Credentialing. I really like the analogy she made when um, she was explaining what credentialing was. And to borrow from her, it's um, basically that umbrella term and payer enrollment is the process of you as a provider to become an in-network provider with a particular insurance company. And whereas um, primary source verification is like a professional background check for carriers to verify the provider. So the term credentialing and payer enrollment are frequently used interchangeably. And typically providers are having trouble with payer enrollment part of the credentialing process. Got it. And, and I know we're gonna get a little bit more into some of those reasons why uh, a lot of providers now are being denied, why they're having difficulty with that. But just to continue on that from a maybe more a procedural standpoint, as far as new payer enrollment goes, where, where would you start with that process? Can you walk us through that? Yes. So first, you definitely want to make sure all your ducks are in a row. Um, you have to have your tax ID and the CP575 letter. Um, it's a notice from the IRS confirming that you have a tax ID. And some carriers like Medicare will ask for that. So I say um, relating to anything um, tax uh, ID, you definitely want to have the original documentations and everything uh, ready for that. And um, you want to make sure that um, all of the information that's tied to your tax ID is correct. Because if there is one little difference, like a comma missing in the business name, then you may want you may have to start the application process all over again. So um, you definitely want to make sure that everything is correct on all pieces. 
you should also have individual and group MPI numbers. Um, and one of the most important things is to create or update your CAQH account. So CAQH is important for commercial carriers since it was made by commercial healthcare industry. It's basically a repository of your professional information and a lot of carriers will refer to that to credential and recredential you. So you'll hear that term CAQH a lot. So that's basically what that is. You get your own provider portal and you wanna make sure that your information on there is always correct and updated. They'll um, notify you by email to test your information quarterly as well. And once you make sure all you, you have all the necessary information and documents ready, you want to apply to insurance companies um, of your choice. And usually every insurance company have, has a section on their website to join their network that leads you to their application page. So you wanna make sure to read carefully um, since each company is slightly different with their applications. And uh, once you submit, make sure to get that tracking number or reference number if they provide one and make sure to follow up because that's the key to um, credentialing. Is most of this done online now? Is Because it's uh, something that I keep hearing is how difficult it is to get somebody on the phone. I, I, I would say so. Um, I personally don't have any experience uh, with credentialing by phone. Mm -hmm. I think most of the applications are found online. Um, I think some of them you could probably fax to them, but I think for the most part, you are going to do it either through their portal or um, yeah, you'll probably send it directly to um, insurance companies online. Yeah. And it, I switched gears a little bit there. And it, the question wasn't even really directed at, at credentialing, but something I keep hearing, and this has really been a while since I've had to call an insurance company, not practicing it at, at this point, but a lot of times when I'll say, oh, I might not have an answer for something, I'll say, reach out to the insurance company provider support. I, I think a few times I've actually got laughed at because I'll just say, you cannot get people on the phone anymore. And I, I remember it's one of the struggles with a lot of the, the process of applying for different insurance plans is, are you getting the right information? Uh, and that's, I, I used to tell, I, here's what I used to do. And I used to tell other people, I would actually pick up the phone and call and find out what I needed. Let's just say I was applying for a certain plan or, or something I needed to change. And I would get the information through somebody over the phone. I would hang the phone up, pick the phone up, call the same number, get somebody else on just to compare the information. Cause too many times I got, I got bad information, which really stalled things. But again, back to my point, I, I think it's really hard to get anyone on the phone these days. So a lot of these things I think are done through, um, through, uh, uh, through the internet. So, uh, it's, as we get more into the process of, uh, where I think what we're, what we're focused on is the denials. So take us through that a little bit. What's when you do get denied, what is the first step that you should take? So first you want to find out why you were denied. Um, was there like a document missing or will, uh, were all of your information matching across different documents? Uh, sometimes a uh, little thing as not having a comma in your business name in the bank account 
uh, whereas you have that comma in your tax ID, it will get you a denial. So you wanna make sure to ask the insurance company why they denied your application, um, if it doesn't already say, um, then you wanna fix the error and resubmit the application. Um, and then once you submit an application, following up on it until it is either approved or denied is important. And I've heard from doctors who went through that process and were able to get accepted onto that plan. And I've also heard from doctors who said, no, I'm, I'm still getting denied. So onto that next level, what, what should you do if you get denied again? So unfortunately, there have been a lot of denials lately. Um, and it's not always because you're missing information or have incorrect information, but just because the insurance company uh, thinks that there are enough providers in your ge geographical area. So in that case, you can try sending an appeal letter to the credentialing department of uh, insurance company. Is there any suggestions you have on what should be in that appeal letter? Um, so in the appeal letter, you're basically trying to convince the insurance company why they should still accept you as an in-network provider, regardless of the number of providers. So you wanna include anything unique about your office. Uh, maybe you have one specific medical equipment like ERG that other offices don't or any type of data or services that would make you stand out, um, that would be great. If the insurance company you're appealing for has a vision insurance that they're working with, for instance, um, a Spectera for United Healthcare or whatever major vision company the medical insurance uses in your state, you wanna mention that you're in that work with that vision plan and their patients are really and, uh, and your patients are really frustrated that they're not covering for any type of medical eye issues. With vision plans, I would reach out to the vision plan to see about getting a network manager and if they can give you any type of helpful information and tips in getting a network with their uh, partnered medical plans. And um, finally, you want to search the web portal to see how many um, providers are in your area, especially if the insurance company is denying you for other reasons than the high number of in-network providers in your area as well. Yeah, and it's something that I've, when I've worked with other members and starting, to, how do you approach the vision plans? I always suggest approaching them from the standpoint of trying to appeal what matters to them because the last thing they want, to your point of frustrated uh, patients is frustrated employees of the employers that they work with. So what scares them, I think, more than just we're not, our businesses will be slow if we don't have enough patients. That's really not their top concern. But if they sense that the employers that they work with are going to have employees coming in, complaining to their HR managers that they can't see the doctor that they want to see, I think that's going to resonate more with them. So I, I always tell people when you put something together, a letter, an appeal letter is really try to position it from their standpoint of what's important to them. So all great information. Um, I, on the topic of credentialing, some tackle that project themselves and others, there are places to outsource credentialing. What would your recommendation be on that as far as should out ODs be outsourcing credentialing at this point? So 
I'm, I would recommend to outsource credentialing just because it eats up so much of your staff's time, especially uh, because you have to follow up so much, almost to the point that they memorize your name. Um, so I would definitely recommend outsourcing. Um, it can free up your staff's time, especially if you're understaffed or tightly staffed. And also um, credentialing companies usually have their own contact in each insurance company since that's all they do all the time. So that could also get you credentialed a little faster, I would say. Um, they do this all the time. So they have more um, tips of how to approach each company. And uh, lastly, I think the return on investment is pretty huge with these services. You pay a couple hundred uh, dollars to credentialing services. And once you're credentialed, you can easily make that up by seeing those patients. So, yeah. And, and to your point, I think time is a big factor in this as well, because the last thing you want is trying to be get on, trying to get on a plan, let's say as a cold start, or you've moved or relocated and then find out that you didn't get credentialed when you're at a point where you're opening your doors. So you could do it yourself and save a little bit of money, but I think it's a probably a much better business decision considering the time it takes and having somebody that's going to hopefully do it right, just having that outsourced. Um, so any other suggestions you have? Um, yes. So I would find out who your commercial network manager is and contact them to see if they can help um, or... Um, keep bugging them to see if you can get some information out of them. Or um, if you keep getting denied, um, I know it's frustrating, but you, you do have to keep reapplying every six to eight months. Uh, the credentialing itself takes about 90 to 120 days. So it's not a um, like a fast process. And the key is not to give up and keep following up to the point that the insurance company gives up. So um, unfortunately, a lot of the credentialing services reps say that it really comes down to having to harass them repeatedly to make them give in to you. I've heard you say that before, and I've heard others say it as well. And, and yeah, I think there's something to be said for being the squeaky wheel after a point, because I, I imagine with the volume of applications that they have, it can become very procedural and it is somewhat easy to just be able to sort of dismiss a certain number you're almost just running through a computer program or something it almost seems like but it being that squeaky wheel and trying to get in front of somebody who's a decision maker a human being as opposed to a computer uh is is probably just a process of like you said um harassing them to some point that uh it, it eventually pays off so well thanks so much jen I, I really appreciate it i hope i know they will people find this valuable especially the ones that have been struggling with this very topic um some great advice here and how would idoc members get in touch with you um you can always come to my office hours um i do offer them every day monday through friday um monday wednesday friday from two o'clock um and Tuesdays, Thursdays at 11 o'clock in the morning, and it's Eastern time as well. And you can reach out to me via email. My email is managedcare at idoc.net. So if you'd like to talk to me in person, um, it'd be great to attend my office hours and 
That way you can connect with other peers as well um, and learn from their questions too. So it would be a great opportunity. Perfect. That sounds great. And thanks again for, um, for sharing all your insights on this topic. And if you would like more uh, info about IDOC and how we work with ODs to help grow their practice, you can find out more at IDOC.net. So thanks again to Jenna and thank you everyone for listening. Thank you. Thank you.